0: When I go to my Facebook, I guess you'll tell me what to do, right?
1: Yeah, you should automatically get an option.
2: Oh,
1: hey, yeah? Hey, Lina, are you there? Yeah. I just tried to tag humanizing the icon. Will you see if it gives us the option to um, also put it on that timeline? Okay. Um... I think we are live on Facebook, you guys. Let me see. Joel, do you see that? I see live
0: on, on my Zoom. Yeah. Let me now, uh, let me look
1: see. at your um, look at your Facebook timeline.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And see if it gives you the option. Oh, you're not. Your camera is not on Zoom anymore. I know. I'm
0: seeing you. I'm seeing you. Okay, hold on. Let me let me add to timeline. Got it. Okay, I think I did it.
1: Okay, cool. Um, oh, when you switch to Facebook, you lose your camera on Zoom for some reason?
0: Yeah, yeah, I do, but I'll, I'll come right back. I mean, I'm it should clear. be okay.
1: That doesn't happen to me, okay.
0: Wait, I, I said I po- I added a post the time, I hope it's, well, anyways. It
1: should I don't be. Know if it
0: works.
1: All right, Facebook people, we're just getting set up here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me just make sure Joel is, now with us on Facebook because your image was not there before. Right um, back, I mean, I'm it should be OK. That not happened to me. OK. I see Chelio. Oh, there you are. OK, good. All right. Joel, yay. OK, <laughs> now we have one more step to do. Are you ready? This is the really ready. exciting part. Um, where you get to be in multiple dimensions. Okay, so I am gonna go to my Humanizing the Icon Instagram and go live. Um, And I'm gonna, my phone's never seen so much action in its life, okay. Okay, live. Okay, so in preparation for going live, I'm going to put the headset in. (laughs) Um, And I wonder, wait, hold on one second. I'm gonna make Lena's screen go away. So hide, there we go. Perfect, okay. All right, I'm going live. So it's checking connection. I'm now live. Got it. Oh, wow, that was fast.
0: Um.
1: Hi people. Hi, Joel. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I get so excited when this is happening. (laughs) Okay, Joel has just requested me. I'm going to go live with Joel. Um, now there's a delay. So we give, we give it a moment. There you are. (laughs) And so now we, we, we turn the computer all the way down. Okay.
0: Okay. It's not letting me go all the way down. That's fine. I
1: I can hear you good. Oh, it's not letting you go all the way down.
0: No, uh, let me try it real quick. Can
1: you put the other side of your headset in? Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. All right. I think this is good. Um, Lina can tell us if it's not. I s- still am getting a little bit of feedback. I guess maybe it's because you can't go all the way down.
0: Yeah, it's weird, right?
1: Yeah. yeah
0: no. Let me see here.
1: Someone says they're heading out to Oakland for protest mural painting.
0: Oh, Shannon. Hey, Shannon. (laughs) Shannon Virtue. (laughs) All
1: All right, right. well, we can try it. Well, I
0: need to, I need to. Instagram
1: people, do we sound echoey? Testing one two three four five six five four three two one. I mean, if it's just feedback in my ear, I can deal with it.
0: Yes, it is. It is. It is. Um, Okay, so I know. I know what I'll do. Um, I'm going to hold on. I know a solution.
1: Okay, we're gonna try to fix it. Thank you, guys. Um. Joel, I wonder if you put yours in the computer. Yeah. So, thank you for your patience, people. We really, really appreciate it. Technology is our friend.
0: All right. How's that? Is that better?
1: It might be yeah what would you do
0: i just put in different headphones on the computer so that it's it's picking me up through a headphone instead
1: okay cool um oh eduardo (laughs) (laughs) so joel you have a little bit of an audience because um you get to play to two screens it's like being in a theater and working a room you know Mm, right but you don't have to be conscious of it because you look great in both. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are you doing in London? Like what's the, what's the vibe there? What's your status with everything?
0: Yeah, so we're here in London, um, just checked out. We just attended one of the protests here, uh, which are really big. Um, so, I mean, London and the UK is a place that I think really resonate with the issues that are going on. Um, so for us it's something we would love to get more involved with but my wife CJ as you know is uh, about to have a baby and you know literally any day now or over the next couple weeks you never really know when Um, but so yeah so we've come to London she's from here and she uh, her family lives here and so we are uh, spending the summer here uh, with her sister and her mom and, and her sister has two little little kids so uh, our daughter, Amara, who's two, can play with her cousins, and it'll be a nice environment for having the baby. Um, but definitely a crazy time, uh, you know, with everything going on in the world, the pandemic, you know, the the political situation. And then on top of all of that, you know, there's having a baby in the midst of it. So <laughs> definitely an interesting time.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just, um, it's powerful, actually. Powerful to bring in a baby at this moment in the social zeitgeist and kind of where we're at in our human development that baby's absorbing some interesting energies i mean when
0: you when you when you have a baby you you know something that is on your mind is like what is the world like that you're bringing this baby into that's something that Mm -hmm. you're thinking about you know and this is 2020 the craziest year uh you know for quite a long time very memorable year and so you know, just thinking about that, and this baby has no idea what's what's going to be happening, what's going on, and and so yeah, it's definitely something that I'm I'm thinking about. What is the world going to be like that 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 she grows up in? Um, and you know, it's something that I think uh, things are really going to change. I feel that this is a time of change, mm-hmm. and so you know, both because of the pandemic and the the political situation. Um, the anti-racism, anti-police brutality movement that's happening mm-hmm. right now. I do believe that after 2020, things will be different and I don't know how, and I hope that they're better and we don't know, but I, I do feel that this is a shift.
1: I agree with you. Um, and I just want to, now that we have some people joining us, like give a little update here. So we are also in Facebook, uh, we're Facebook and Instagram, and Chelio Bourdine, who is a perception artist, um, is channeling this this chat into his work of art with his fountain pen um, on the Facebook and portion. And we will post the art following this chat. Um, and Joel and I have known each other for a very long time. Um, I think since we were 12 or 13, or at least I was 12 or 13. Um, so it's been an incredible journey for me um to see your work develop and evolve from what it was when we were 13. Um <laughs> a little just, bit different. In ter- <laughs> just in terms of backstory, because I'm so into you know how things develop um can you just give some highlights in terms of you know where you were at as a, as a young teenager? In, in your mind as an artist, what you can remember and sort of like how you got to the point that, that you're at now in um, a sort of nutshell kind of
0: way. Sure, sure. And yeah. shout out to Max. Hi, Max. <laughs> uh, thanks for the comment. Uh, he's a big part of the story. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Hi, I guess Max. when I was thir- <laughs> uh, when I was 13, I mean, you know, starting out as a, the teenage years are hard, you know, and, and, and they are, uh, I definitely can't claim to have it harder than a lot of people because, I mean, you know, the, the as you know, I work with and, and my organization Artilution, along with Max and everyone else on the team, we work with people in really desperate situations around the world and refugee camps and people who have experienced conflict. So compared mm-hmm. to that, I had it, uh, you know, I had it uh, the best life ever. But you don't know that when you're 13, you're not comparing yourself to anything. You're just saying, I don't know what's going on and life is hard and when I was sixteen, um, I had a, a, a baby uh, with someone that I was with. Were when I was fifteen and sixteen, I mean, we were just kids, the mm-hmm. teenage relationship, and, um, and and that was something that really, uh, well, it was. It turned out to be amazing. I mean, I love my son, and we mm-hmm. have always had a close relationship, and that uh, really, uh, you know, was something that was a big, important part of my life. But when it when it was first happening, and when I'm when I'm a teenager, and just things feel very chaotic Mm -hmm. and things don't you don't feel like you're in control you don't you don't really know how to deal with the the things that life throws at you Mm -hmm. and so um, you know you don't you haven't built up those skills yet as you do when you're hopefully you build up when you're a bit older so I think that was really the time that I, you know, as an artist, that was something that I, I, I found that the arts were a way that I could have control over something, I could express myself, it was something that I could do, that was, that was me, and no matter what's going on in life, no matter what things are, are happening, um, I can take control of that at least and Mm. so I just I just completely got absorbed with it I completely I'd always loved art and I'd always gotten into drawing and painting since Mm. I was a little kid but um you know those experiences and and just feeling I couldn't express my feelings very well in any other way as most teenage boys cannot um and just I think men in general have a hard time uh, expressing their feelings and, and in a healthy way and so that was for me this outlet and I think that's where it really all started and I never forgot that because now that I you know as, later in life as I started working with people who had a, a lot of challenges who had gone through trauma you know I worked with uh, you know youth who had been abused and neglected mm-hmm. and had been out on the streets just some really 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 tough stuff tough situations and I recognized in them as well that the arts whether it's painting and drawing like me or whether it's something else like dance music theater these are things that people can really latch on to and and feel like you know what if if everything in life is hard at least I can do this and I've seen it so many times in so many different types of people all over the world and so that's when I really put two and two together right my experience with all these other people's experiences and I realized that the arts are a big key uh to you know to dealing with difficult emotions and difficult situations.
1: Mm -hmm. And so your work in these various communities, um, whether you were dealing with like mental instability, mental health or homelessness. um, And I mean, as you were coming up as an artist, you were also working in these communities as a, as a teacher or a counselor or a volunteer or in these different roles, right? Not just focused on art.
0: Exactly, yeah, I, I started out more, I, I always loved doing art, but initially I thought, you know, art is my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I do as, as a personal thing. Mm-hmm. And when I work in the community, um, a lot of my early jobs, you know, even just when I was like in college, um, I had, I worked with the mentally ill, I worked with the homeless, I was a counselor for youth who had experienced uh, trauma in a treatment center for four years. Mm -hmm. I did a whole bunch of, it was all, that was all what it was about for me. I was very passionate about that kind of work, but I wasn't doing art with them. I was, I was more of a counselor. I was, you know, I did that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And so it took quite a while for me to say, you know, actually, I think this thing, the art that I feel really, uh, that I can express myself in a personal way, is also something that I can use as a vehicle for my more community-based work with these different uh, people that I work with. And so, you know, it took a few years for me to figure that out. But once I started doing that, I realized, you know, this is actually a tool that's very powerful. And I think in the years since then, i found that so many other people, including big, you know, humanitarian organizations like UNICEF and the Red Cross, who we're, we're not now working with through our organization, Artolution, are also recognizing this. And they're seeing that there is this impact that the arts can have in humanitarian situations and with people who have gone through a lot of trauma.
1: Yeah, I really um, admire, but also just really honor you as someone um, that has put yourself in those situations not just as an artist, but as a human being. And as someone who, I feel like you see people through a very uh, broad and open lens. There's a lot of people and artists that go into communities and do amazing work. And everyone brings their own special gift to the table. But what I've seen that I admire in you is that you have worked in these other scenarios. So you do have also certain tools and ways of relating to people um, that are special and well-developed. And don't you think that that lends itself to your ability to work on the ground in these communities, that you have that history, that that's like a special experience you bring to the table?
0: yeah definitely I mean I think you can't go into these situations without having some tools you know and and those tools you know you can build up in a lot of different ways but it's really important because I think you know whenever you're working uh, in really intense situations very sensitive situations and you know you you have to be sensitive to the situation too Mm -hmm. and I think that that's something that um, you know I, I find that the the people who work in these kinds of uh, environments, you know, you have to have this balance between, on the one hand, you have to have that empathy. And there are people who supposedly do humanitarian work and social work who f- have, have become so cold, uh, you know. They they built up this big wall in front of them, and they they can't really have that empathy anymore, and they can't really do the work for the right reasons. And then you have people on the other extreme who care a lot, but they care, but but they are so empathetic that they <laughs> that they break down, and they actually can't do the work. And I've seen so many people just in a lot of these um, uh, environments just they have to quit. They can't actually do it, um, and that's because. And, and I commend them for being that empathetic, but it becomes. So much that they can't actually do the work. And so it's like finding emotionally within yourself that balance. Yeah. I, I need to be empathetic, I want to be empathetic, and I also need to take care of myself uh when I'm seeing really difficult things. And so finding that balance is really the key. And I, the, the people that I have uh that I've met, that I've worked with, who are the best at it, are the ones that really can strike that balance.
1: Mm, that's really, really well said. Um so Let's also tell people, um, these communities that we're referring to, that you do work with currently around the world, who are some of these people that you're touching and, and interacting with regularly? Where are they? And who are they?
0: Great. Yeah, that's an important question. So. Uh, So our our organization, Artolution, which is a nonprofit organization, we are focused on our our big programs are in Uganda, in a place called Bidi Bidi Refugee Settlement, which is for people from South Sudan who have come across the border there, in the northern border of Uganda, also in the Rohingya refugee camps of Bangladesh, also in Jordan, where we work with uh, Syrian refugees, uh, many of whom are in the Azraq refugee camp which is in the desert near the border of Syria and Jordan. And we also work a lot in Colombia and the United States with diverse populations, including uh, refugees, people who have been displaced, and also other youth and other communities who have just gone through a lot of violence and conflict. And, um, and, we, and we do have a presence also in Brazil, in Greece and some other places. But those first five that I mentioned, uh, Uganda, Jordan, Bangladesh, Colombia, and the United States. Those are the mm-hmm. ones that we are doing projects year round And the really important thing about dilution, and the whole reason we set it up is because we recognized that the most impactful way that this work can happen is if local artists or teaching artists who really want to get involved with the kids, if they're the ones that are leading this. So they are. So in all of those locations, we have teams. And so in the Syrian refugee camp, all of our teaching artists, working with the kids, doing murals year round they're all Syrians themselves. They live in the camp, they are refugees, they have experienced a lot of challenging situations, war and conflict, but they, you know, I I get inspired by them every day because they are the types of people that even though they've gone through so much, they somehow have found it in themselves to, to dedicate their lives to the kids, to the young people, to their community through the arts. And so they're leading mural projects and other types of arts programs all throughout the year. Uh, And we have partners in all of these places that help to make this happen. Uh, UNICEF, uh, the Red Cross, UNHCR, uh, the International Rescue Committee, a lot of different big and also very small grassroots organizations.
1: Amazing. Okay, so can you talk about the scale and scope of the work, the actual art, um, how the community is integrated into the process and what your role is, um, and yeah, we'll start there.
0: Yeah, great, so basically the, the methodology of our work with dilution, it really boils down to, it's all about the, the participants, usually they're children, teenagers, sometimes we work with all ages, families, adults as well, um, And the idea is that the participants actually come up with all of the ideas. So if we're going to create a mural, which has always kind of been the centerpiece of Art Mm Illusion, although we branched into many types of art forms, if we're going to paint a mural, we sit down first with the participants and the lead artist, whether it's me, whether it's one of the local artists, whoever it is, we say, okay, guys, we are going to create something together. And what do you want to say to the world? What is your message? What is your vision of the future? You know, what do you want to say? And Mm -hmm. so everyone says oh this and that and we do a brainstorming session we write a bunch of things on the wall and then we say okay we have a lot of ideas but we need images if we're going to do a mural we need images and so then everyone gets their paper and pencils and we guide them through how to create sketches we walk around and help them out with that and everyone comes up with ideas uh visual ideas sketches Mm -hmm. and then we put it all up on the wall and then the really hard part, this is where the magic happens. We say, how are we going to take all of these ideas and guide you through this so that we can combine them all into one composition? Mm-hmm. And so people say, I think that, that, you know, the elephant should be in the middle and, and then coming on the top of the elephant should be the, the community that we, that we.
1: Uh-oh, you froze. Uh Oh,
2: Joel, are you there? (laughs) Oh no, Joel, okay. Oh, did it?
1: Can you can you rejoin Zoom, or how should how should we get back?
2: Okay,
1: okay, okay. Um. Well, we can see Chelio drawing on Zoom, on Facebook. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Um.
2: All right, we'll be back in one minute, people. Yeah, there you are. I see
1: you start, yay.
2: Okay. Um,
1: so just, I'll turn that down again. Okay, great.
0: Cool, do so I need to join the Facebook again?
1: Nope, because I never left it. So oh, okay, okay, we're, okay. So I'm we're, still on we're, we're okay. yeah. All right,
0: we're back, we're back. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Technical <Yeah>. difficulties. <laughs> um, do you remember where you got
0: cut off or? Yeah, so, so okay. we were talking about how do you know, the, the the essence of our collaborative community art projects is how do you get all of these ideas from all of these people and create one thing together? So um, I think before I got frozen, I was talking about <laughs> having all the sketches and we put it up on the board and then we guide the kids through the process mm-hmm. of how do you create one cohesive composition? has to make sense together but out of the different pieces that everyone has come up with and so we guide them through that process and that all happens on day one that all happens in the first workshop and then we um, and then we go from there and after that it's you know we're painting we're out there having fun everyone's getting paint all over them we're, we're playing music it's you know kind of a party atmosphere but also we focus on each day of the project. There's different sections of the mural and each one will explore different areas of life. Uh, So for example, one area of the mural might be, what is your vision for the future? What do you see yourself doing in, in five years or 10 years? Let's envision that. And then in another area of the mural, it might be, who is someone in your life? Let's paint a portrait of someone special who really supports you. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a friend. Uh, somebody who you know really is is important in your life and is supportive of you and so and we teach also uh, in that particular day we might teach a lesson on portraiture and then they go out to the mural and that section of the mural they're doing those portraits Mm -hmm. then on another day we're exploring something else so each day it's something different it's a new it's a new art form it's a new uh, theme and through all of that they're exploring and of course we always have a lot of activities geared towards Team building. Because at the end of the day, the number one thing we want these kids to get out of the programming is friendship, is connection, is having Mm -hmm. positive relationships with the adults in their community as well as their peers. Mm -hmm. And that's if if there's one thing that we've seen the most kids get out of it and that we want them to get out of it, it's that feeling Mm -hmm. connected, not feeling isolated, not feeling socially excluded, feeling that they are included, feeling that they are connected to their community.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And so, I mean, I'm the most familiar with the, with the projects that you, that you lead, but can you speak to um, how they end up looking so masterful, (laughs) these muralists because, or these murals, because um, not everyone identifies as an artist. I mean, I actually, speaking philosophically, believe we are all artists um yes but in terms of this you know perspective of identifying as an artist and how we would draw or paint or do these things and i'm sure it triggers some kind of insecurity um or brings people out of their comfort zone to be delving into crafts that they've never explored before and already that's got to be confidence boosting to get them engaged in this process but is that a process too within the overarching process just to get them comfortable in that space?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, for many of the people we work with, this is the first time that they have ever picked up a paintbrush. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. in in our other projects, for example, if it's a performance, um, which has, by the way, the same methodology of coming up with the idea together, what are we going to create as a theatrical or dance piece? Um, But instead of painting, it's doing a performance. So in any medium, you know, people are gonna say, and, and by the way, The older the person is, the more likely they are to say, oh, I'm not an artist. I can't Mm -hmm. do it. I don't know how to draw. I don't know how to dance. I don't know how to paint. You know, five-year-olds never say that. They Mm -hmm. get out there. They dance. They paint. They do everything. They're, like, confident. Um, Ten-year-olds, 15-year-olds, now you're getting to be like, I can't do it. You know, that's when you really (laughs) really have to, yeah, you got to warm them up. You got to play games. You got to do activities to get them, like, comfortable. And adults, they're the worst because they are the most self-conscious. And so it's it's interesting that I've seen that. But everybody can create something. Everybody can express something. And we, you know, we pride ourselves with Artolution. You know, our work is to get people comfortable. Our work mm-hmm. is that every single person, you know, is able to do something on that wall and that mural or have some part to play in a performance um, or, You know, we've been getting into recently other types of art forms, especially during the the pandemic Mm -hmm. where people can't go out and paint together. And we've been doing digital art. We've been doing animation, uh, claymation, stop motion, things like that. And so, you know, there's all kinds of ways to express yourself. But we really believe that everyone has a voice and everyone has a story to tell. And uh, storytelling and, and shaping one's own narrative is really a core to the work. I think that there's nothing more important when it comes to your life as to what is the narrative that you tell yourself about yourself. If you tell yourself, I am i can't do anything, I'm no good, I'm stupid, and all these labels we put on ourselves, especially people in really vulnerable situations, you know, I'm, I'm poor, I'm a refugee, I'm the wrong, I'm wrong this or that, um, you know, through the arts, this is really a way to say, I'm gonna create my own narrative about myself. I'm gonna tell my own story. And if I can buy into that, and if it's positive, that can set me on a whole different path in the future in my life.
1: Mm -hmm. And do you find a lot of these youth are um, able to comprehend that they're actually taking their power back by flipping the script or creating their own narrative that it's beyond the art itself? and it's something they can carry forward as a leader or just as a community member that we don't have to take on the stories that society places on us. Like, do you see that sense of transformation and empowerment through this process that that they can take away with them?
0: Yeah, we, we, we see it. And, and it's something that we really believe it's important to measure the impacts of the work, right? You can mm-hmm. say you do something, you can hope you do it, you can feel like it's happening. Mm-hmm. But you really have to have people out there who are researching this, who are measuring the impact, who are doing interviews, who are, are have questionnaires, have like all different types of ways to find out, is this really happening? Are they really changing their views? Mm-hmm. And so what we found, I mean, I'll give you an example with uh, there's obviously a lot of issues with youth uh, with in terms of bullying, uh, people being mistreated, especially because of their background, because of their gender, because of their ethnicity, because of where they're from. And those are the communities that we serve where this is like a really big issue. And uh, we've had a couple of situations. I'll give one example in Jordan with Syrian refugees living in the same community as local kids. And there's so much tension between the two. There's at times violence between the two. And these kids who are just growing up there and they don't really know the whole background but they know that these guys are different than us. And mm-hmm. we did a whole performance and my wife CJ, she is the head of the performance programming mm-hmm. uh, for Artolution. and so she did this project where the whole play that they that they did and performed in front of the community was about this issue of bullying mm-hmm. and people targeting each other because of their ethnicity and because of their backgrounds. And lo and behold they find out in the middle she realized that some of them had a lot of tension with each other this situation was happening within the group there was actually kids in this group who were mistreating and being violent towards some of the other kids in the same Whoa. group doing this performance so, <laughs> wow. so what they're doing the play about is actually what's actually happening which is why they came up with the idea they said this is what we want to do it about this is a problem in our community but we find out that this is actually happening with them personally and by the end of the process and by the time that they actually performed it they had become friends they had really gotten past these some of these divisions that they thought that they had and we've seen that multiple times and so i think this is really the you know that's success to me you know if they can get beyond that and 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 not only get beyond it personally but Through this artwork and through being able to perform it publicly, you know, Mm -hmm. in front of their entire community, their families, their friends, their school, they're actually also being advocates for social change Mm -hmm. in their own community. So they're doing it, but they are also encouraging others to do it and they're creating social change and they're starting to think of themselves as, hey, you know, I'm actually a person that can change things in my community and I can make a difference. I can be a positive. Uh, social change agents in my community and that's such a powerful feeling to have as a young person who's never really felt that you have that
1: agency before. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful too because I feel like you're, you're kind of creating a portal or like an entry point for these people. You're not like hitting them over the head with a message. You're not like professing at them. You're, you're giving them a safe space to explore these themes and ideas and, and kind of metabolize their own experiences. And then they get to have those epiphanies and those, that catharsis and kind of have those reflective moments. And it's like, oh, wait, I, can, I don't have to do it this way. I can do it this way. And that's exactly. really a sense of empowerment rather than feeling like someone's trying to enforce something on you, you know? are imposed on you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is has become a cliche question, I guess at this point, but and you kind of touched on it. But how has the pandemic affected the work that you're doing? How are you um, engaging with your various tribes around the world and continuing to to move the work forward?
0: So the pandemic, I'd say a couple things. First of all, I think that in many of the places that we work um, in the developing world, in places where there's not a lot of resources, the, the health consequences can be much more severe. And we're seeing that in a place like Brazil, mm-hmm. where you know, if you think it's bad in Italy or the US when it hits hard, you know, imagine places where they don't even have ventilators or you know, it's, it's a place where they don't have the health infrastructure in the first place to deal with it. But what we've seen that's probably at this point, I would say more severe are the economic uh, implications of the pandemic. So mm-hmm. in places like uh, you know, informal settlements and refugee camps and refugee settlements, mm-hmm. I'll give one example of bitty Bidi, Bidi refugee settlement that I mentioned earlier, that's in Uganda for South Sudanese, our teaching artists reported to us that they were receiving half of their food rations that they had gotten before directly related to the pandemic. And these food rations come from the international community. They come from the United Nations, you know, the World Food Program, things like that. Half, so they were only eating like once a day. They were were really suffering. They were very, they were going hungry and it was directly related to the pandemic. So they didn't have the virus and that wasn't, you know they were trying to socially distance themselves. It was hard for them to have work. Uh, Artolution, we are doing our best to support them. We did send uh, funds, we did send food Uh, for our artists, but they're just a a small number of people in a humongous refugee camp. It's Mm -hmm. it's the second biggest in the world. So these are the kinds of things that we've really seen affecting our communities. And um, in terms of our programming, I mentioned before, you know, we're out there painting murals and all these things and doing performances that cannot be happening right now Mm -hmm. while people are socially distancing. So we quickly adapted and completely changed our program. And we have a new program called Virtual Bridges. And it's all about how do we keep that sense of community, getting people together, creating art together, being creative, but doing it online or doing it also in very small groups and communities where you can have people socially distance among a little, you know, if you imagine a little settlement with some houses and people get together in the center square, but separated, uh, you know, distance from each other. And we're sending people data plans straight to their cell phones so they will be able to have connection. And we're doing a lot of really interesting new programming that we had never done before. I think the most successful has been the stop motion clay animation that we've been doing. So all of our team, most of our teams now are... Uh, learning this and now they're able to teach it to the youth and the kids and Mm. it's so fun for them to be able to to create their stories create little characters and then learn how to animate that and make their own little films and then teach kids to do that so that's something we're doing all online I mean we've been meeting with our teams in Uganda uh, the Syrians in Colombia every week every week we're meeting with them having workshops um, teaching new skills and um, inviting them to lead their own workshops for each other. So in Colombia, for example, we had we had one person actually tomorrow, it's tomorrow, Friday, one of our artists is going to be doing a hip hop workshop for all of the other artists. Oh, nice. We had someone. Yeah, we had someone else doing a dance workshop for the whole team. So, so it's not just us being the kind of leadership of the organization at head, in the headquarters teaching. It's everyone teaching each other and everyone sharing with each other and then all of that new knowledge gets passed on to the kids that we're working with and so it's been in a way an opportunity to grow our program and to learn how to do new things and what's the most amazing part of it is that now we with these new tools that are that are virtual that are online we're now able to connect our communities so we can have kids who are in uganda who are in colombia who are in different places actually meeting each other, as well as the artists, meeting each other and creating collaborative works of art together online without ever meeting in person. And so I think that's something, hey, if it wasn't the pandemic and after the pandemic, that's still gonna be awesome. And it's something I think that we'll always have as part of our programming.
1: That's, yeah, that's so cool. (laughs) I can't wait to see these things. Um, (laughs) Also, you touched on Refugees and um, the show is Humanizing the Icon. And that's gone into so many different directions with the different guests that I've talked to that are artists and and visionaries on the cutting edge of different um, mediums and concepts and things. And I just wanted to ask what does humanizing the icon conjure for you? in terms of your work and the lens that you see the world through. And we did um, offline talk a little bit about that as it pertains to refugees and the, the view of refugees um, from, from the world looking at that situation. And then also now with Black Lives Matter um, is an iconic movement. And I'm not gonna say more, but what does that bring up for you, th- those words? through
0: your lens? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, when it comes to the word humanizing, I think it's super important. I think that's the that's a real centerpiece of what we're all about. And I think that the arts play a really unique role in that. I mean, you know, as a filmmaker, that's something that I think films do really well is getting you into to meet and to learn these stories about people who you might never ordinarily think you would relate to and then you realize that this person is totally other part of the world totally different life than yours but you can relate to them and I think that's what we see with with refugees um, who are the majority of those who we work with in our programming are refugees or people who are otherwise displaced you know I think it conjures up a lot of images in people's minds and first of all you have to know that refugees are very diverse. I mean, Albert Einstein was a refugee. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are people that are refugees of all kinds, all classes, all ethnicities. Um, And yes, some of them fit kind of maybe the vision that you have when you think about the word refugee Mm -hmm. and some really don't. Mm -hmm. And even the ones that do are so much more complex than we we think at first, Uh, at least that I thought before I started working in refugee camps and in refugee communities. And so, you know, when you, When you think about somebody like Samir who's one of our lead artists in the Azraq Syrian refugee camp in the middle of the desert I mean this guy is he's so incredible and he's he's not that different in age than me he's just a little younger than me and we both have you know kids and we both have a family and in some way we're both artists we both do murals so in some ways it's like he's not that different than me in certain ways but he's had this completely different life than me where he had to flee a war where he was they, uh, in Syria, they actually tried to uh, pull him into the army. When they say you're going to be in the army, you have to go. And if you decide you're not going to go, like he did, because mm-hmm. he didn't want to mm. kill civilians, you know, he did wow. not want to be part of that. And he disagreed with it. And so he took this courageous step of fleeing and refusing. And when you do that, you're risking your life because if they catch you and, they, and you don't go to the military, you will be killed. And so they, they he actually, as he fled, they did shoot him and he, and he has received several bullets and he has one that went into his neck and he survived. <laughs> and he then fled through the desert with his family and ended up on the other side of the border in Jordan in this desert refugee camp, which is just, I mean, you know, where he's from in Syria, it's, it's green, it's naturey, it's nice. But in this place, he's stuck for years in this place. That's like literally like the moon. I mean, there is nothing for miles around, but just uh gray beige colored like rocks and like no plants and like almost like no animals i mean it's and that's where they are stuck with thousands and thousands of people for years never knowing when they can leave and by the way he he can't go back to syria because they still know that he's the guy who left the military so he can't go back what is he gonna do and then (laughs) when you when you when you interact with him you know he's somebody who he's incredible because he's a great artist He really motivates the children and he has this playful nature. Maybe it's because he's a dad of young kids, but he can get out there with the kids and he dances with them and he plays with them and he sings songs with them. And he, he's such a playful, he has this, this side to his personality. That's very, very childish and it has a kind of innocent quality that I just love. And the kids just really connect to him. And at the same time, he's this deep, you know, thoughtful man, you know, and when you, when you, when you, peel back all the layers and you get to know him and you see what he's doing with his life. It's so inspiring. And you realize like, this is so different than kind of that victim, uh, you know, kind of uh, this poor victim kind of refugee that you think of when you think of the stereotype that people think. Right. And, you know, and the kids as well, they're just full of joy. There's so many incredible kids that we meet every single time that we're there. And, you know, here's what I think. I think that once you see the joy, once you see the art they make, once you get to know people on a real human level, that's the only time you could even understand the tragedy they've been been through. Because for the Rohingya refugees, if you've never met a Rohingya in your whole life, if you don't know anything about them, then when someone says, did you know that a genocide was committed against the Rohingya, you'll say, well, that sounds really terrible, but I don't know anything about them. So it's not, it's not as tragic to me is if something happens to people that I know like if when you know if if Paris or New York or London are attacked I'm gonna like really feel it because I relate to those people but when the Rohingya are are massacred it sounds terrible but I won't feel it emotionally because I don't really know them so through the arts through film you know through many different mediums we can actually connect with people we can meet people we can get to know who these amazing people actually are and at that point, I think that's when you have humanized that person, they are connecting with you, you are connecting with them. And that's when you realize the tragedy of the actual situation, because you realize the beauty also. You have to realize the beauty before you recognize the tragedy.
1: Mm. That's a good quote. I'm going to use that. I'll credit <laughs> you. <laughs> you, have to rec- you have to see the beauty before you recognize the, tra- the tragedy. You, before you understand the tragedy, yeah, you have to yeah. see the beauty before you understand the tragedy. Um, so I am a filmmaker. I am a, you know, storyteller. I just I've been working on the story of Mary Pickford for a while. Who's the mother of Hollywood? Founded United Artists. Was very much about creating bridges between artists, transcending age, ethnicity, and gender in the role she played. Being what was considered ahead of her time as a visionary, but whatever ahead of your time means, it was of her time. She was also friends right. with Einstein. So thank you for bringing him up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's in the movie. I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. Really? Yeah. Cool. She was, cool. A, she was a relativity fan. Um, but so through that story, I've seen a lot of even just misunderstanding about the icon of, of what she represents. So do you have any feelings about? how movies, uh, particularly in Hollywood or or not considered Hollywood, whatever you wanna call it, um, portray, or even the media in general, I guess, portrays and tells the stories of these particular people. Do you feel like that can have a, um, a I'll just use the word negative, you know, I'm not trying to be uh, judgmental, but I'm just saying like, could, does that have a negative effect on the ability for us as a society to humanize these people um, in the way that that their stories are told by other people that maybe don't understand.
0: Right, I think that, um, you know, I think that those who tell these stories, it's important for them to really dive in with an open mind Mm -hmm. to really get to know what an actual situation is and get to know the real people behind the stories. I, I see a lot, you know, especially I would say in journalism or in documentary filmmaking um and you know people decide ahead of time what story they want to tell before they actually go and do the investigating that that's, that's something I've seen over and over right so you have yes. like a journalist going into a situation they're like so my story is I'm going to go into this refugee camp and I am going to find like people who have gone through uh, amaz- you know all this uh, tragic uh, you know trauma in their life and I'm going to get some really good quotes about that And then I'm gonna leave and talk about how crappy their lives are, the end, before they even go. And so it's like, if you went in there with an open heart, of course, those tragic stories are there and you will hear them, but what about everything else? You know, What about the actual people and the really interesting people that you're going to meet? Um, If you actually go in with an open mind, then Mm. that's something where you can pull out those stories. And so I would just encourage those who are in the business of creating content, You know, whether it's you're a journalist, you're making a documentary, you're making a film, whatever your topic is, actually go and investigate it and try to find out what others don't already know. That's the interesting thing. Right. If you're if you're just relying on your stereotypes and what you think the situation is, then you're just relying on these kind of this information that's passed on and on and on Mm -hmm. to different people. And often it's misinformation. If you you know if you go in saying I want to find new stories, I want to actually find out what the reality is. That's when you're going to find these gems there, and that's what the story should be about.
1: Mm-hmm. And just the yeah, like you said, the human the human being is so oftentimes different than the stereotypical story. Like you said, some of the most joyous, joyful beings you find there you find anywhere you know um why why are they how do they find that joy even within their circumstances you know it's something that's cultivated from within you think so yeah
0: oh you're asking a question sorry yeah sorry um, it
1: sounded rhetorical yeah <laughs> i think, I think <laughs> um
0: I think that the joy, you know, I don't know. I think it's 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 hard. It's hard to tell sometimes because, you know, I think that joy is something that we need in life, and so those who kind of take it for granted often don't have as much joy because they don't realize how much they need it. You know, they're kind of like, uh, life is really hard. I, you know, I I uh, you know, my I have to pay my cell phone bill or just something like that. Whereas people who have gone through the most. Who have the least to be joyful about i think they recognize the importance of it and i see mm-hmm. i see people all the time in these situations you know they they just want to they they feel this incredible need to be joyful to be playful to laugh to have brotherhood and sisterhood with each other and and build community and i think that that's something that that they really recognize um i'll, oh, no. I'll, I'll say one thing about, um <laughs> sorry my thing just paused that's okay it's
1: okay (laughs) okay
0: good yeah um you know we had one 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 guy who we worked with actually in the UK in in Manchester and um I'll use the name Jeff that wasn't his real name but I'm not going to say his real name but he was in Manchester and he was someone who had been a child soldier in Sierra Leone Mm -hmm. and he had just the the situation that he had gone through was so traumatic that he ended up as someone when I knew him as in his 30s, working with him there. He was someone who just had so many mental health issues. It was just debilitating. I mean, he just, he was so traumatized. He couldn't actually live. And so he lived out on the streets. He had a lot of substance abuse issues. It was just really, really challenging. And he had this incredible need to create community. And one thing that he said he he really started bonding with some of the other uh, men and women on the project all of whom were homeless this was a project with homeless Mm. people and they they connected they were actually able to connect often with other people in the community who often would just walk by them and say no i don't want to give you any money or maybe give them a little bit of money at the most, but would never actually have conversations with them. And Mm -hmm. through this project, through doing a mural, through expressing themselves, through out out there being in public and creating beautiful art, uh, they were able to form this amazing bond. And the last day, I remember we got in this big circle Mm -hmm. and we had our kind of final thoughts. The project is over, you know, how was it for everybody? When it got to him, he said, you know, ever since I left my country, I have never, felt that I had a community and I and in this country I've never felt it and this project was the first time that I feel that sense of community with Mm. those around me and it's and it was through this art project you know but what it's really about the arts in that situation is actually more about creating that community creating those friendships creating those connections that's really what it was about for him
1: you know I'm so inspired are we gonna get to bring some of these people to the U S to lead projects because it sounds like they're really, um, leaders. It sounds like, you know, joy is medicine. Right. And in a way, um, some of them, a lot of them have figured that out that it kind of doesn't matter what your circumstances, you can, you can cultivate those qualities from within you and, and, and with each other. Um, and through expression and creativity, and we need to we need to learn that more here. You know, I mean, it's it's a human universal law, as far as I'm concerned. You know, but it's it's we are a very stressed out society, and I don't have nearly as much exposure as you do, but I've also had my experiences in in certain oppressed communities and with certain people. And I, and I do sit and talk to homeless people in LA sometimes and um, find some of the deepest joy and gratitude that I've ever, ever seen um, in certain moments and feel like, why aren't they leading um, us? <laughs> sometimes I think that, don't you? I mean, God, wouldn't it be amazing to bring some uh, over here, how can we do that?
0: I think I think you know the the it's often the the case that you know people have these hierarchies in their minds of and it's often based on economics. It's based on everything from class to race to gender and you know these hierarchies. Um, you know I think I think it's they're in all of us um, and mm-hmm. nobody can say that they don't have that or that they're completely blind to it. But if you're able to take away the hierarchy, not take away the background of the person, because that's important. Mm-hmm. And nobody should even try to be colorblind or anything like that. It's important to recognize people's heritage um, and their culture. But if you're able to attempt as best as you can to get rid of that, that hierarchy that we believe in, which is just a myth, um, then you will be able to see that we have so much to share with each mm-hmm. other and we do have so much that we uh, can offer each other. And people who are supposedly, according to society, below somebody else can actually have more to offer that person than the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we that we see so often, but most people often we are blind to that because of these, these hierarchies that we have in our minds.
1: So it's our responsibility as storytellers, or at least I feel my own in my role, is to um, change the myth, is to tell stories in a new way, is to shape shift these archetypes and and find that new paradigm, you know? I'm really passionate about that.
0: Exactly, yeah. I think stories and storytelling is the most, I mean, there's nothing really more important for human beings. I mean, Mm -hmm. we think in stories, everything that we do, whether it's, you know, culture or, or what country we come from and all the myths that surround that, or, you know, our family stories, or whether it's our personal narratives, these are all stories and that's how we as human beings understand mm-hmm. reality. Yes. That's, that's how we understand reality. And so we have to get that these stories are so powerful and they're not good or bad. They are tools to be used. They can be used for, for good and they can also be really destructive. The stories that, yep. you know, um, mm-hmm. certain ideologies, um, really, really negative and destructive ideologies. These, these are, these, they tell stories as well. And those stories lead you
1: down a, a very negative path exactly so we have to transmute exactly yeah exactly is there anything before we wrap up that you want to share about the the black lives matter movement or anything that you've heard from one of the communities you work with that you find um inspiring or educational or just anything you'd like to share on that
0: yeah definitely i mean it's something that we're really focused on so much um and for me, I mean, I'll say a couple things. First of all, personally, I mean, you know, I see my, I mean, my wife's family is black, um, and my two nephews. To see them, they're these beautiful boys. They're cute. They're sweet. And to think that people will, you know, that when they get a little bit older, you know, a, a, a police officer or others in society are going to see them in this negative light simply because they are black boys. It's just, you know, inconceivable. Once again, when you know somebody, when you humanize somebody, it's inconceivable. But Mm -hmm. we have this very unjust system. And I have uh, in my work, the main way I've been a part of that is by working with youth in the justice system. And I have worked in juvenile detention centers, leading arts programs. I've worked with kids who are on probation. Um, so a lot of different things in, in places mm-hmm. like New York, in places like DC, um, in New Jersey. So I, I've done a lot of these kinds of projects and I think it's just so important to uh, to engage these youth and also, but also from the outside, trying to change that system. I think we are really recognizing we're coming to a time in our society and it's reverberating around the world. I mean, people all over the place are are recognizing that this is an issue, maybe with certain differences, but with certain similarities in their own societies. And that's mm-hmm. why people all over the world are, are protesting, both in solidarity with African Americans and what's happening in the US, mm-hmm. but also with what, what is happening with Black people and other uh, oppressed groups all around the world. And people are, are, are identifying that and they're marching and they're wanting to change mm-hmm. society. And I think that that is essential right now. And we're finally seeing after years of the Black Lives Matter movement, this uh, this sense that, you know, people, I mean, Mitt Romney just said Black Lives Matter. Mitt mm-hmm. Romney, man. I mean, if he's going to say it, then we've hit some kind of moment where, you know, I, that was something that I really realized, like, it is reaching people that it never reached before. People are Finally, after so much struggle by so many people, so many activists, obviously with unfortunately so many unnecessary deaths, mm-hmm. um, you know, people are starting to wake up to that. Now, that needs to be translated into real social change. And I think that's mm-hmm. really what the people on the front lines uh, of this movement are trying to do. Mm-hmm. And for the rest of us, we need to really be supportive of them in any way and every way that we can.
1: Absolutely. And that's part of it. I mean, just someone like you said, stepping out and even saying that, um, is a part of changing that that myth and that that paradigm shift. You know, is is creating that sense of we're on even playing field here, like as as human beings, and and these lives matter. And um, I didn't know he said that, but that's intriguing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's weird. It's very weird, but it's good
1: it's good it's good you know um so we'll we'll say goodbye to instagram so we can go see what chelio what message chelio bordin has for us as he channeled our chat uh, on facebook this episode will be on our youtube channel humanizing the icon and um joel thank you so much i I've just loved you and admired you for the entire time that I've known you. So, this is really I fun. feel the
0: same. I feel the same about you and I'm so glad that we were able to do this.
1: Yes, me too. All right, I'm going to sign off on Instagram. We're going to go to Facebook. Thank you everyone. All right. All right. Bye everybody. Ciao. All right, end video there. It will share to IGTV. That's really exciting. Okay.
0: All right. So, we're still on um, Facebook.
1: I will turn up the volume now. Yeah. Are you back with your volume on the computer?
0: Yeah. Uh, yes,
1: I okay. can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Amazing.
0: Let's see uh-huh. what Chelio is doing.
1: Chelio, <laughs> can you can you hey. share, share your messages with us?
2: Uh, I listen. I listen your uh, conversation. It's very sensitive, very beautiful. I love you guys because we need love. <laughs> Everybody needs love, and we are. Uh, ready for give love and then what i my perception today is the cure the cure about this situation in uh, in the world because uh we have uh some people stay like in the jail is uh, the quarantine i think so wow. and then is without expression you saw Wow. It's without expression because it's in quarantine. It's close at home. Have have barrier. is like a wall. No, it's quarantine. And then we come. And then we have some dark, dangerous. Is uh, uh, this injustice? And we live every day. And then the people can say, "Doesn't matter. I don't take a virus. I'm not contagious." And then. <laughs> kill many people wow. is in the darkness, but we are a very beautiful love woman, Can I want to nominate a love, because in the mind have town, and then every day we have people can give food to the homeless, can watch for the poor people, can give help yeah. for Come outside to this uh, uh, situation, darkness, and then uh, we have this beautiful woman. She's beautiful. I'll tell you. Come on, come on, come on, and in the darkness, around some becoming some flowers, because something go inside to the hope. Wow. This is the hope, the hope about a winner. Our flags, mm. but in, inside to the, the world. We have something. I saw something explosion, and then uh, I feel you talk about kids uh, suffer because injustice because a uh, uh, people egoism uh, want more 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 and poor people suffer and kids go to in the world would, and then it's coming explosion but more told everything, we have a flag. We have a flag over there too, and, but the work is difficult, it's not stable, but the wind moves a flag. And then uh, this is a complete work, and uh, 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 a resume is a, a curve, a darkness in quarantine without uh, any expression, flat, but it's jail in the mind, okay. jail before war, but we have love because we have some angel every day can help wow. us in this town. And then some flower coming and try to cover the darkness <laughs> and coming hope and we win with our flag. New myth, it's, it's,
1: it's the new myth. It's like the quarantine is a metaphor for the ghetto <laughs> in the mind. And then this feminine love that comes in as the as the cure, it's really beautiful poetry,
2: Thank you
0: Thank you. Very beautiful, nice work, Chelio. I love how I, I don't know how you did that. I don't know how you uh Me too. created <laughs> that from the conversation. Uh, you know, I I I've tried only once uh, to interpret a, a conversation live by by painting, and uh, it's, it's very challenging, and I'm super impressed by what you have created there
2: uh is a is a gift man is a gift i is a i talk about perception arts because it's not possible to think this you know it's coming from belly from coming from you, belly <laughs> you understand <laughs> Yes, and, coming from you, your you an artist. yeah you know uh, you know when uh when 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 you uh when you uh don't think in when you are inside your work and then the ends come self without direction uh, uh, with the the, uh, the part of the brain can doesn't work it, irrational <laughs> <part of
1: brain. laughs> he's talking about when you get in the zone and you but, like lose yourself and as an artist i yeah.
2: know you understand because you are great artist and then uh, i adore your work and your words today with Jennifer Ward is this. I don't do this. We do this today. Do you understand?
1: That was a collaboration, an energetic. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes, I agree. Yeah, that's great. Well, I guess we all did a good job.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, So I know that Joel has to go. So we'll say goodbye on Facebook and then we'll say goodbye on Zoom. (laughs) We get to say goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you to everyone on Facebook that tuned in.
0: Thanks, everybody. It was fun. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Super fun. And this will be on our timelines. And thank you, Chelio. We love you as always
0: love yes thank you chelio and jen thank you so much for inviting me this was really fun i'm glad we got to do this
1: this was so much fun i love it i can go for two more hours but we're not going to (laughs) okay i'm going
2: to sign us off
1: on facebook all right okay stop live stream bye